we are blessed. Um, we really have just a bunch of talented folks at White Rock, and um, especially musically. Uh, you're going to hear me try to sing later, and, um, and I'm not as talented <laughs> as... Uh, as a choir, and so just grateful that y'all continue to find a way uh, to bless us and to help set the space and the tone for worship. Um, and today's worship service is actually one in which the tone has been set for us um, with the calendar because it is World Communion Sunday. And it is also the end of our worship series entitled Grounded, right? Finding everyday holiness and recognizing that in our lives. And as I said at the very first week of this series, uh, this series in particular was born out of, I think, really two things. One um, is a recognition that uh, for a long time we had no idea really what we were going to do for this worship series because we were so, um, I guess, hesitant uh, to, make, to take a step. We recognize that the world is a changing place and we kept thinking and, and really pondering like how are we going to address both the congregation and the world at this particular time. It was during our planning is when the Delta variant in Dallas County was really accelerating and there was a lot of anxiety. I think there is still a lot of anxiety both within our community and the broader community, right? And so we, um, we really didn't know what we were uh, hoping to achieve. And so in some ways we took a step back. And this series is also kind of born out of every time we were taking a step, I think we were feeling like Peter and this idea that we step out of the boat though and then we begin to sink. And so here we are in a series that is really intended to give us some space to feel like we're standing on, uh, on solid footing. To give us uh, an opportunity to, to ask questions and to ponder how we are remaining, kind of standing in the midst of all that is taking place in the world. And how can we recognize God's holiness each and every day, this idea that God's presence is indeed in our midst, even when we are unaware of it. So we looked at Moses and this idea that we have no idea how long the bush was burning, but one day Moses looked up and saw a burning bush, and it's a challenge for us to do the same, to look up, pay attention to where God is moving. Um, we looked at Jesus's parable about foundations. That seemed pretty obvious to do, how we make sense of both sandy ground and, and that ground that we're after, that kind of rock, that foundation. Uh, last week, Phil did a remarkable job one of the finest sermons to be preached here in a long time, and that was with the Elijah text and what he did around mental health, mental, um, health and, uh, and depression was just really, really superb. And so today we end with the Lord's Supper, and we'll be in Luke in the 22nd chapter. We'll be reading verses 14 through 27, but before I read it, I want us to meditate on this idea that it is World Communion Sunday, and folks, siblings in Christ, right, all around the world today are coming to this table that's behind me. And we share with them this sort of recognition that we, too, are in need of God's grace. We are sharing with them this need to remember and to remember how easy it is to actually find God's grace at this table. So I want you to think about that for a second. 
folks that you don't know, right? In countries you probably never visited, speaking languages that you probably cannot understand, are your siblings in Christ. And they, like us this morning, will come to this table expecting the same thing. That is a message I think we need to hear today. So, um, we are on to Luke 22, verses 14 through 27. I invite you to rise and body your spirit for the reading of the gospel. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup. And after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same thing with the cup after supper, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another, which one of them it could be who, it could be who would do this? A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, the kings of Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one at the table, but I among you. But I am among you as the one who serves. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer, the one who invites us into this space to experience for ourselves the good news that your grace is sufficient and available to us. May we pay attention to how we share that with one another. Amen. So if you read the Gospels often, right, we come to this portion in Luke where the text is rather poignant and heavy, and the author is working to kind of ground us in this very real reality that not only Jesus' kind of movement to the cross is going to change the relationship between humanity and God, but the author is also making a very specific point here that this table behind me is indeed enough. It's enough. It is sufficient for us. This meal is enough. And this text and push, pushes us towards this table so that we can begin to embody this truth. 
The sacrament of Holy Communion is this mechanism, this act that connects us to the promise that God makes to us. And I think the author of Luke, recognizing the uniqueness of Christ's table, does what uh, good authors do. They uh, don't just let us assume that to be the case. They kind of put their hands on our shoulders and make us recognize the heaviness of the text that we're about to read. And... This is no different than what we see in Luke 22, because we start reading with this simple phrase, when the hour came. When the hour came. For this Lucan author, this simple phrase has an obvious meaning, right? That being that um, the disciples and Jesus are about to partake in the Passover meal, but the fullest meaning is looming large as we continue to read the text. As the disciples sit with Jesus, their teacher, their budding Messiah, their close friend, right, for this Paschal feast, the text invites us to feel the weight of what is transpiring. So first, if we are truly interested in this feeling of being grounded, if we are desperate for shelter in the midst of today's storm, I think we must ask this question of ourselves. How can we come to this table, this meal, this morning with heightened expectations? It is easy for us, I think, to fall into communion simply being one act of many that the church partakes in. There is no doubt that partaking in this meal is a bit odd when it comes through plastic containers that both somehow magically contain both juice and bread, right? It does seem like communion has been devalued in the midst of a pandemic. We sit here in our pews and partake. We don't come forward. All the ways that we have interacted with this meal seem to have been kind of shaven off or set aside, and we're simply going through the act. At least that's how it can feel to us. I want to just ask you this question. How can you expect more this morning of this meal than before? How can you expect something more this morning? How can we approach this meal with an expanded imagination? How can our dinner prayer be so bold that we are transformed through the love of a living God? The temptation is always the devaluing of this meal in favor of other things that we can see and touch and influence. When the hour came, right, pulls us back into the Gospel of Luke to a much earlier time when Jesus was tempted by the devil. And the temptation story ends on this kind of ominous note, right? When the devil had finished every test... It says in the fourth chapter, he departed until an opportune time. So what if this Paschal dinner, this Passover meal is both when the hour had come and the opportune time for us as a church? And Jesus does what Jesus does really well, often. Jesus asks a question and then answers it. 
Jesus says, what hour is it? And then answers his own question by recalling this opportune time warning, suggesting that it has indeed manifested itself in the betrayal of a close friend. There is no doubt that the text leads us into this conversation about betrayal and how we... (laughs) can't always trust who is sitting next to us. And that is the most obvious sermon, or at least the one that's the easiest to preach. The text in some ways invites us to ponder what betrayal looks like. And in the midst of our current world, we are being led to enter into this type of arena. We look around and are astonished by the lack of thoughtfulness of our friends, of our colleagues, of our neighbors. We're shocked at some of the things some of our closest friends are saying or portraying online. In fact, as recent news outlets have reported, Facebook has taken advantage of this and altered the algorithm to show us loud voices. And in in, in these loud voices are, um, are put in front of us And it creates us a feeling that this world is as tense as it has ever been. This sermon, then, of focusing in on the betrayer, the evil, the fake news, it feels easy, and maybe one day I will preach it. In fact, I have thought long and hard about how we, Phil and I have talked about this, how we could create a worship series that is uh, totally focused on debunking uh, conspiracy theories in our midst, right? I would love to preach that sermon. Not only because it would scratch that kind of itch I have to just do all the research about all these conspiracy theories, but because it's a very real reality, right? That there is a lack of appreciation for truth in today's world, and I would love to preach that sermon in that series. That feels easy. And in fact, this text kind of invites us into that space because Judas is made to be the kind of star of this morning's text. But much like Phil did last week, when you read the text, it actually elevates a different type of conversation. Luke, I think, is offering us something more this morning. There's no doubt in Luke that Jesus names the devilish devilish acts of Judas. But Jesus' final lesson is one that transcends the noise. He calls them into a place of remembrance. Remembering is the essence of the meal. And remembering is an essential mark of discipleship. If we truly want to feel grounded in today's world, if we truly want to find holiness in our everyday life, we must commit ourselves to this act of remembering. As we stated all the way back in June, our first Sunday back in this sanctuary, we talked about this act of remembering and how it is not a passive activity. It's not an activity in which we recall what God once did and pray that God will one day do it again to remember. To remember is to pull the past of God's faithfulness into the present and believe that God will remain faithful into the future. 
that our future will also be defined by God's faithfulness. In fact, this future faithfulness is on full display if we read ahead two chapters, because there we will find Jesus encountering two strangers on the walk to Emmaus. And in Luke 24, Jesus tells these strangers to remember how he told you while he was still in the Galilee. Jesus is constantly concerned with his people remembering and remembering well. So to remember is not so much a lesson in history as much as it is a lesson of faith. Remembering together, actively remembering together is an act that we do as the beloved community. Jesus calls his disciples to look back on the Paschal evening, an evening when betrayal will happen, when cowardice will run rampant, when violence will crow loudly like a rooster, and remember none of those things. Thank God. That is not what Jesus is after. He does not want them to remember what will transpire before the cross. Jesus calls them to remember that when the hour came, both the just and the unjust were fed from the same table. All sat and ate. All partook in the wine. Jesus calls them to remember that when the hour came, both the just and the unjust were fed from the same table. In fact, today, from this table of plenty, from this table of abundance, the case will remain the same. There is no doubt that the juicier storyline in this text is Judas's betrayal. It's the titillating story that focuses on how a trusted companion could betray the son of man's sacred trust. And yet Jesus calls his disciples to not remember betrayal, but to remember God's mercy and faithfulness even to a betrayer. And so as we come to this table, I ask you again, what are you expecting to take place? What are you caring and what are you remembering? As we search for our footing in the world, what are we hoping gives us that steady foundation? Friends, it has been a difficult four months since we have started again in person in this sanctuary. It feels as if we are simultaneously back and not back at the same time. I've never felt anything like it. I don't even know, it was, I didn't even know it was possible. We continue to have about 50% of our worshiping body back here Sunday after Sunday, and 50% of our worshiping body remains online. And we are going to struggle to make sense of our reality. We are going to struggle, even after what I think was a pretty good worship series, to take that next step and trust that we are grounded in this goodness and faithfulness of God. We are going to continue being vulnerable as a community to the whims of political opinion, the unknowable future of COVID variants, the accelerated desires to be right, or maybe just to make sure that others know they are wrong. 
And we're going to continue to be vulnerable as a community to this desire of universalizing our own beliefs at the expense of a crowded table. And the path, (laughs) that path, as much as it seems worthy of our journey, will remain sandy and unstable. If we truly want grounding right now in the midst of our uncertain world, I believe it starts here at this table. This table is big enough for all of us. And here's the best news of all. This table isn't ours. It belongs to Christ, the son of a God who is still speaking and acting to make all things new. So as we prepare, as this particular body here at White Rock United Methodist Church and with others all over the world, let us remember and trust that God remains faithful in this ever-changing world. That, my friends, is certainly good news today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.